Hello everyone, this is Deborah Richardson and today I am putting the AP in Happy where accounts payable teams are empowered to protect the vendor master file from fraud. This podcast will give a voice to accounts payable team members by talking about the growing reality of cyber attacks in their world and which vendor setup and vendor management techniques they can apply to protect the vendor master file from fraud. If you are looking for vendor process training for you or your entire vendor team, head over to my site at DeborahRRichardson.com and click on the Vendor Team Training Solved button to learn more about what is included in the monthly or annual plan and also to download a 2021 training schedule. Get the training that you and your team needs to avoid payment fraud, duplicate vendors, compliance fines, and more. You require and successfully collected the IRS Form W-9. But are you performing the recommended validations? Keep listening. Welcome to episode 155, eight validations using the data from the IRS W-9 form. Now, in the last episode, episode 154, I talked about validations using vendor data from invoices, banking forms, and contracts. Well, this week I thought I would focus on the IRS Form W-9 because I know you're probably already doing the IRS 10 match, that is checking the vendor's legal name and tax ID against IRS records, but there are more validations that you can do using the IRS Form W-9. So to avoid fraud in the vendor master file, validations need to be done to confirm that the vendor is real and that the data submitted for changes to any existing vendors is also real and valid, right? This is especially true for accounts payable vendor maintenance teams that receive these requests and supporting documentation from internal team members since authentication of how the data was received really can't be relied upon. I mean, you don't know if they got that information from crook.com and it may not be valid. It may be fraudulent. Or even if it did come directly from an employee or point of contact at the vendor, there's nothing saying that that point of contact knows how to fill out the forms, knows what information needs to be put where, even that they know how the company is structured, right? So doing the IRS uh, 10 match is great, but you still need to do additional validations. And here really are two key results in the vendor master file that can come from validations of all of the data on the IRS W-9. So the first one is you ensure compliance with regulatory agencies, policies, and laws where non-compliance can result in significant fines and civil and criminal penalties. And then the second um, key result is that it ensures that there are no duplicate vendors that can result in duplicate payments and be an indicator of fraudulent vendors existing in your vendor master file. So for those teams that have a vendor self-registration portal, that's great, but 
um, make sure that you listen to these. And as you do, identify if there are any validations that your current portal provider or features or validations within your current portal, if they're not being done with data that is on the IRS W-9 that I'm listing here, make sure that you start doing it. And if you don't have a portal, then you really need to listen and maybe add some of these things to your manual processes, your current manual processes. Okay, so let's look at the IRS Form W-9 validations. And what I will do, actually, I have links to all of these resources that that I am about to tell you about. And so you'll want to make sure that you click on the accompanying blog um, that is in the show notes. And when you click over to the blog, which is on my site, you will have access to all of the resource links. All right, so let's start with the validations that you can do using the legal name and tax ID. So the first one, you are probably already doing it, and that is the IRS 10 match. You can use the legal name and tax ID combination to verify that they match with IRS 10 records. And that really reduces the potential for any interest and penalties resulting from data mismatches. It also helps to avoid the IRS CP 2100 or CP 2100A notifications that what you filed when you did your 1099s, that that information was not valid. And now you have to do the B notice process. So you definitely don't want to do that. But as a side note, if you do, and if you get a notification, make sure you listen to my podcast episode 139. I have Shikari Tucker um, on and she deals with B notices and she gave us some great tips uh, in that episode. So make sure you check that out. If you get that IRS CP 2100 or CP 2100A notification, and actually, even if you don't, because she does give some good tips to avoid them in the first place. So we talked through that. So anyway, the first one is the IRS 10 match. Now, the second one is the IRS exempt organization. So if you have an IRS form W-9 from a nonprofit vendor, um, you can run the EO select check tool after the I, after you do the IRS 10 match, you'll use the legal name to verify that the vendor is registered as a tax exempt Uh, tax-exempt organization. Now, you do use the legal name and the tax ID, but you can just look it up by the legal name. But you do want to verify whether or not they are a nonprofit vendor, because sometimes, especially depending on what type of nonprofit they are, like a 501c3, your company, if they make any donations to those organizations or to that organization, may be able to include those donations on their taxes. So you do want to make sure that um, for nonprofit vendors, you want to um, verify their tax deductibility status, if I said that right. And then also, it's another way to make sure it's not a fake charity. And you know, there are lots of fake charities, even before COVID. But with COVID, there are lots more. And I actually do have a podcast episode scheduled. I do one every year around November, because uh, Giving Tuesday is usually the second Tuesday in November. Anyway, more to come on that. 
not. So IRS 10 match, IRS exempt organization. Now, the third one is duplicate vendor check in your accounting system or ERP. So you want to search by legal name and tax ID, and you want to search by address as well, right? So if you have duplicates in your vendor master file, you'll find them by searching all three, legal name, tax ID, and address. Because if it's not messed up on one, it'll be messed up on another. And you want to search that across all your vendor master files. If you have multiple accounting system or ERPs, duplicate vendors equals duplicate payments. All right. The next one is the system of award management or SAM. And I will have a link to this one. This is for government entities only. So if your entity is a government entity, then you want to search their exclusion list by legal name because governments or organizations that receive federal funds are prohibited from awarding contracts to entities that are on their exclusion list. All right. The next one is OFAC and their specially designated nationals list or SDN. And actually they have quite a few watch lists, but if you search on one, you'll get results back from multiple lists. And OFAC is the Office of Foreign Assets and Control and U.S. entities are prohibited from doing business with vendors that are on that list. So you want to search by legal name. Vendors that appear in search results should not be set up in the vendor master file and make sure you notify your leadership. Okay, so now that we've talked about validations for the legal name and tax ID from the IRS Form W-9, let's talk about validations for the address. So the first one for the vendor address is USPS, and everyone is probably familiar with this one. You verify that the addresses are real, of course, right, because it'll come back and give you um, a standardized address, even populating missing data such as a zip code plus four. So that's great. And it does include both U.S. and non-U.S. addresses for all mail that will be handled by the uh, by USPS. Although I will say that international addresses, there is a formatting publication and they will tell you what those international addresses need to look like. If you are mailing from the U.S. to uh, an international address. Now, if you are mailing from outside of the U.S., so non-U.S. to non-U.S. or international to international address delivery, I do recommend that instead of USPS, you check out the Universal Postal Union. So this covers all of the non-U.S. countries. And again, you can verify that the addresses are real, that that they are standardized um, so that you have the address in the correct format. So USPS when you are mailing from the U.S. and Universal Postal Union when you are mailing from a non-U.S. country. Now, there is a new resource that is, uh, and I, I actually don't know how new it is. It's new to me. I didn't know anything about it until a couple years back, and it's called Smarty Streets. Now, 
it is connected to the USPS database, right? So it has all of the information that if you went to USPS.com and I think it's the look up a zip code thing and you can put the address in there and that's fine. It'll bring back that information. That's the same information you get on Smarty Streets. The only difference is Smarty Streets will give you more. Um, you will get the status of the address. So what I didn't realize is that even though USPS would give us some results, standardize our, our address, formatting and everything correctly, it does have additional information in its database. We just don't get it, right? It has the status of the address. Well, Smarty Streets will give you the status of the address. And what does that mean? That means it'll tell you if that address is vacant. And vacant really means that USPS tried to deliver mail to it for 90 days, nobody was picking it up. And so they started holding the mail for 90 days, or maybe the 90 days is both of those um, activities combined, but they take it back to the post office and hold it. And then after a certain point, they determine that that address is vacant and they don't deliver there anymore, right? And so um, it will tell you if the address is vacant. It'll tell you if the address is inactive and what, why would it be inactive? Well, some people, right? If you have a vendor that is an individual, um, single member LLC or sole proprietor, right? They, some people for personal security, privacy reasons will inactivate their address. It can also be, uh, address can also be inactive if it's like a new development. And you know, we have those around all the time, right? And so it'll tell you if it's inactive. It will also tell you if it's a PO box only. And if it's a PO box only, you know that that can be an indicator of fraud. And so I like using um, Smarty Streets, especially when I'm doing a cleanup of the vendor master file, because it has a really nice bulk upload. And I haven't found any other bulk upload for addresses. Even if you use something like 10 check and you can do the bulk upload for the um, legal name tax ID combination against um, the IRS records, you could also do the watch list using the bulk upload, they don't let you do an address as a bulk upload and neither will USPS unless there's something that I don't know. But Smarty Streets will allow you to do a bulk upload and um, you upload your information and like 10 seconds later you have it back. Smarty Streets also handles U.S. and non-U.S. address standardization and status. So I really do like them. So check, check them out again. I will have a link to that resource in the blog post and you'll find a link to the blog post in the show notes. So you do want to make sure you get ready for sending out all those 1099 and 1042s. This is the time now that you'll be cleaning out your vendor master file. You should be cleaning up your vendor master file because um, tax season is right around the corner and you know you get busy around year end. And if you start now, you'll have time to reach out to all of those vendors that failed some valid validations and, and we'll have to, you know, get some information to you in order to get them updated before you have to send them those 1099s and 1042s. So make sure you start now cleaning your vendor master file. And I'll even leave a link again in the blog post for two webinars. One is eight steps to clean your vendor master file. So I'll leave a link to that. And then another one is on the tools that I use when I do my five day vendor master file 
cleanup. I'll leave a link to that as well. And Smarty Streets is in the tools. There's a demo of that in the uh, tools that I use webinar. So I'll leave leave a link to both of those. They're both on YouTube. They both have timestamps and you can kind of skip around to what you want to see. So I'll leave a link to those in the blog post and then you link from or to the blog post from the show notes. So thanks everyone. I hope you enjoyed the 155th episode of the Putting the AP in Happy podcast where accounts payable teams are empowered to protect the vendor master file from fraud. Don't forget to check the show notes for the links mentioned in the podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, consider subscribing and writing a review of my podcast on the platform that you use to listen. Stay happy. Stay happy.